Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together focusing on knowing what you believe and why you believe it. If you are eager, like I am, to strengthen your faith, then take your next step now by joining us in today's episode. We look at this idea of God's redemption plan, redeeming us. We think about the word redeem. It means to set free by paying a price. It's to to release on receipt of ransom money. Maybe you've seen a movie where somebody's being kidnapped and they're demanding ransom money. Uh, it's that idea if someone will pay that money, they will release them. Uh, ransom money then is the amount of money demanded for release of a prisoner. A bail's bondsman is similar to that, to where they will release the prisoner once that bail's bond post that money for that person, of course, being paid back, uh, which is a little different than our being redeemed by Jesus Christ. But if you're redeemed, that means someone else has paid the fee to release you. Bottom line. Now, when we go to the context of 1 Peter, it helps us to understand why he's writing about this and maybe the importance of this uh, idea of redemption. It's not so much uh, in our culture and society today, uh, daily, that we would understand redemption, but back then, uh, the Roman Empire had millions, close to 60 million slaves who would have been both believers and unbelievers. So it didn't just affect the one portion of society. It affected all, whether you were a believer in Jesus Christ or not. And so a slave could purchase their freedom. Obviously, if they're going to purchase their freedom, they're bound. They're uh, in prison, if you will. They're, they're, they're purchased in order for them to get their freedom. Some freedom, someone else would have to purchase that for them. So if he could or she could collect some sufficient funds, or his or her master could sell him to someone who would pay the price and set them free, then they could be redeemed. Redemption was a very precious thing in that day. And so Peter begins to go in here and talk about God's redemption plan. We read in verse 18, for as much as you know that you were not, watch this, redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. And so we see that word hope again, as that's the really the theme that runs throughout this entire book is living with hope. So here you have believers who are, many of them slaves, they're in bondage. Uh, he's going to relate that back, and he's going to say, look, you have been redeemed, and because you've been redeemed, you can have hope. So first of all, we see in our passage, we see uh, the problem with man's redemption plan. He said, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed, redeemed. This is what you're not redeemed with. And he says corruptible things. What comes to mind when you think about corruptible? You think about something unacceptable to God. You think about something that is unclean or dirty. Uh, it's worldly or vile. So man has tried to pay his way to God. That's what we see here in our passage. And that's letter A in the study guide there that you can download off the website. So Peter says there's absolutely nothing we can do to redeem ourselves. Well, what on earth does this silver and gold represent? Well, it represents man's effort to buy salvation through giving some type of money or possessing money. You see, no amount of money or possessions can ever get you to heaven, but many people will place their hope in how much money they possess. Why? Because it's tangible. It's something you can see, and you feel like if you have money, then you can do whatever you want to. But we understand as fast as you can get money, 
you can lose it just as quick. You can have money in your 401k and all of a sudden a lot of it be gone. You could have money invested in a home and the value of that home and all of a sudden an economic crisis or a recession hits and your uh, asset in your home just goes away, just disappears. You could have money in the stock market and because it crashes or falls or fails really quick, you could lose all that. And so that's why we can't place hope in corruptible things such as gold or silver. We understand we can have as much as we want. Man, you could have a bank account full of money. But when you die, guess what? It does not go anywhere with you. It stays there in the bank account. And whoever you left it to or whoever the next of kin is will get to do whatever they want to with that money. So some people place their hope in how much money they they possess and some people place their money and how much they can do or place their hope and how much money they can donate to the church donate to some organization that does good things some humanitarian aid organization and he's saying you cannot give enough money away to the church or to a nonprofit in order to get your way to heaven that's not how god redeems us that's man's way of redeeming himself and it comes up empty So we see man has tried to pay his way to God, but letter B, man has tried to work his way to God. So many of these believers have been trying to earn their way to God by attempting to keep the law. We have to remember that he is writing to Jewish believers who would have been in the uh, uh, Judaism where they're trying to keep the law to appease God, to earn favor with God, to get to God by keeping the law. And so here they are, born-again believers, being saved by grace through faith alone, And they're still maybe in their mind trying to go back to what should I do? Or maybe things are happening in their life. Remember, he's writing to persecuted Christians who are scattered all over the place. And maybe they're thinking in their mind, God, I've done something wrong here. I must be out of favor with you because this is happening in my life. So I need to earn back my favor. I need to work back to get in the right standing of you. That's not how it works. And that's what Peter's saying. Look, your hope is not in what you can buy or what you can do to try to earn some type of relationship or way back to God. He says here, your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Vain conversation means the unsuccessful efforts to attain something. The unsuccessful or failed efforts of your life or my life to meet God's standards. You see, we can never meet the standards of a holy God. He had just told us in the previous verses on our other study, he says, uh, be holy. For I am holy. So he's calling them to live a holy life. And as we understand God is holy, you and I cannot attain to that. We can we can have a good day, and then guess what? The next day we tank it. We ruin it because we have sin in our life. There's no way we can redeem ourselves back to God. So the Jews said you must keep the law. And many other religions say you must keep their traditions, like he's saying here in the bottom of verse, traditions received from your fathers. Keep the tradition or keep the sacraments or keep the tenets or keep these key teachings Sorry, uh, in order to get to God. And so we see that in many false religions. And each has something or a person should do in order to earn favor with God. And that also tells us why all religions cannot be true at the same time. All religions cannot lead to God. Why is that? Because they each teach contradictory teachings about how you get to God. So all could be wrong 
or only one could be right because all of them cannot be right because of their contradictory teachings. Therefore, all religions cannot lead to God. And so we see the problem with man's redemption plan, but that brings us to the positive. We see uh, the perfection of God's redemption plan. So we see letter A, God's way for redemption. Verse number 19, but in contrast here, here's your way of trying to do it. It's vain, it's corruptible, it doesn't work, but, I love the buts in Scripture, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. So man is redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Why does Peter refer to this blood as precious? When I think about blood, if I see someone bleeding or myself, I don't exactly say, oh, that's so precious. It usually means harm. It usually means fear. It usually means pain or hurt. But here, Peter could have just said blood. But he said, with the precious blood of Christ, precious means costly in the sense of value. But it doesn't just mean that. It also means it's highly esteemed because of its value or it's held in high honor because of its value. And so our redemption costs the most that anything could ever cost and is therefore held in high honor. You see, Jesus' sinless life satisfied God's demand for justice by the law. We see that written out in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 6 through 13. I'll read just a few verses there for you. You've got it there in your study guide. You can reference it back. Uh, but the book of Hebrews talks in very great detail about Jesus being our sacrifice. And he goes back here, talks about the Old Testament in verse number 6. Uh, now, when th- now when these sayings were thus ordained, the priests went all always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the uh, service of God. But in the second went the high priest alone every year. Not, watch this, not without blood. So in order for him to go in, there had to be a sacrifice uh, for him to go in. But it talks about it was a figure of something not yet to come. Uh, and it goes on to say that uh, verse number 11, but Christ, there's another but there, right? But Christ being coming high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having turned obtained eternal redemption for us. Notice the word there. Our redemption is not weekly, monthly. It's not till the day we die. And that's it. It is an eternal redemption. When we are redeemed, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are redeemed at that moment. And it's an eternal redemption. Why? Because it's with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on this earth. And so his blood, when it was shed, as it dripped out of his hands and out of his side, we would look at it as gross and scary and you know some people just get freaked out and maybe even faint when they see blood but for us because of what that blood meant and what that blood bought and did on our behalf it becomes precious and there is no other way to be redeemed there's no other way to be set free from the chains and the prison of our sin it is the redemption plan of God that is perfect that accomplishes all of this and so no one can come to God except through Jesus's blood. So we see God's way for redemption, but we also see God's timing for redemption. We see blood has been God's method since creation. 
We see since the beginning, Adam and Eve, when they sinned and began to hide from God, what did they do? They recognized their nakedness because they had sinned, and they had to kill an animal to get its coat in order to cover themselves. And so we see uh, Hebrews 9.22 tells us, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And watch this, and without shedding of blood is no remission. And so Adam and Eve covered themselves. We saw Abel having his offering of the sheep early on, and then all the sin and trespass offerings in the Old Testament. It required a lamb without, blo- uh, without blemish or spot. And so God planned man's redemption through blood before the beginning of the world. Think about that for a moment. It was not a last-ditch last effort. It was not a last-minute fix to our problem. You see, God understood what we would do, and God prepared the greatest thing, and that's what makes Jesus' blood so precious, in that God gave his only son, that which was most precious for him, to him, to die on a cross for people that did not deserve it. He gave us grace. We did not deserve the gift, but he gave it anyway. And as Jesus Christ there died on the cross because of what his blood was doing, that blood was not grotesque. It was not ooh. It was not, it was precious. And so we understand God's whole mission is bringing mankind back to himself through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so because of our redemption, you and I should be involved in God's mission. You see, our part in God's mission is sharing the truth of Jesus Christ being the only way to forgive sins and to get back to God. Why? Because all religions don't lead back to God. You and I as redeemed people have the gift. We have what people need to get back to God. And we should be, because we're redeemed, ready to tell others about that. Not only do we see the perfection of God's redemption, but we see the perfect per, I'm sorry, purpose of God's redemption plan. It was to provide a way back to God, to provide faith in God, and to provide hope in life. So to provide a way back to God, sin obviously has broken our relationship with God. We understand that from the very beginning. If we were left in this situation, we could have no hope. Imagine death and eternal separation from God would be our future. What hope is in that? But we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 4 through 10, we see another one of those but God verses. We see if we were to back up to verse number three here, it says, Among whom also we all had uh, our conversation in the time past and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So again, he's saying, look, this is who you used to be, just like Peter was writing. This is who you used to be. You tried to redeem yourself through these things by earning your way or paying your way to God. And Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, look, you were these things in the past. Verse number four, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
And so we see what God has done for us. It provides a way back to God. And then Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4, uh, it says this, But when the fullness of time was come, let me just back up. Wait one second. If we go back to verse 3, watch this. Even so we, when we were, the, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. What is he saying here? This is who you used to be. Just like he said in Ephesians, and just like Peter saying, that's who you used to be. But, verse 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, watch, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. What does our redemption give us? It allows us to be born into the family of God. And because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his son, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, a servant to who? A servant to sin. Rather, you are a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. That is what God's redemption plan does. It provides a way back to God, and it gives us a place in God's family. It also provides us faith in God. God's redeeming plan allows us to get or allows us or gives us a reason to place faith in him. We talk about faith is venture trust in God. We venture trust in God the moment we are redeemed. Those two things go hand in hand. And then lastly here, and very importantly, it provides hope in life. So God's redeeming plan allows us to live with hope each and every day. Imagine not being redeemed and imagine living life with no hope because there is no hope for the end. You have eternal damnation, separation from God as your future. Where is that hope? But when we're redeemed, it provides us with hope. Why? Because we have a certain future. We know our sins are forgiven. We don't have to be scared of meeting God. And, you know, people in this earth are looking for happiness. They're looking for joy and they're looking for peace. And can I say when people are searching all over for that peace and they're trying to fill uh, their life with money and activity and vocation and drugs and alcohol to uh, find something to give them hope. But yet that hope is corruptible. As Peter talked about, it just passes away. What can give us peace and security is our redemption, our eternal redemption. It assures us of our inheritance, which provides us with a living hope. So I have to ask you, have you applied Jesus Christ's payment to your account? Has there been a time in your life when you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? You've taken the free gift of salvation. You've called out to Jesus Christ to accept it. Then you are redeemed. And there you have hope. What should our redemption motivate us to do? It should motivate us to serve God, to give our lives back to him and to share the gospel with others so that they can be redeemed and have the same hope that you and I have. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please share it with a friend or subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can connect with Collegians for Christ online for more information and resources at cfccampusministry.com.